0: I basically created the art and then I put the titles on and then there was a process of the background artist from the journal pages and then the animals are my photography which I combined using Photoshop. So the background art came first, the animals or the other figures came in second and then the titles and the numbers and then the writing.
1: Hello, friends, and welcome to Curiously Wise. I'm Lauren Wittig, your host here today, and I have with me Mel Hoffman, who is just such an interesting person. I'm, I'm really having fun getting to know her. Mel is a respected fine artist, an established photographer, and a mystic at heart. She received a degree in fine art textiles from California College of the Arts in Oakland. Her life journey originally began with a range of challenging life events. I know Many of us can relate to that phrase, and this has inspired a passion within her for exploring the far reaches of consciousness. She's well known for producing fine artwork and photography, which has strong emotional resonance. A lot of the stunning artwork and photos found layered throughout her deck of mystical medicine cards originates from her collected work as a fine artist. We're going to talk about that today. So welcome, Mel. I'm so happy to have you here with us today.
0: Oh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel really fortunate to have met you before. It, it creates a different, different feeling. Um, yeah,
1: yeah, it does. It's, it's happened a few times. I Just for our listeners, I accidentally forgot to record our previous conversation. So <laughs> we're, we're reprising it here. But I, and I've done this a few times. i fixed that problem. But I do find it changes it changes the conversation a little bit because we know each other better. So it's right, I, exactly. Personally.
0: Yeah, it gave me some time to reflect and think about. Oh, maybe I shouldn't start that. Yes. It's
1: <laughs> so see, there's the silver lining of me being forgetful. Absolutely, like, I agree. All right, so we're going to talk about a lot of things, but the very first thing that I found on your on your bio on your website, I think it was, is that you had a kundalini awakening at a pretty early age which can be traumatizing for some people and just plain difficult for for others. But can you start by just telling us what a kundalini awakening is for those who may not know what that means?
0: Okay. Well, the way it manifests actually is often very different for different people. But the basic theory is that we all have this energy inside of us that's often represented as a coiled snake at the base of the spine. And that when this energy wakes up or this snake wakes up as a symbol, it travels generally upwards through all the chakras and results in enlightenment. That's kind of the simple <laughs> version mm-hmm. of what happens. But as I said, it's, it's really, really different for different people. And what I experienced was energy that actually moved from the bottom of my feet through the top of my head. Mm-hmm. And then there's also versions of Kundalini awakening that can result in descending energy. We'll talk about the descent of Shakti. So there's a lot of different aspects to it. And basically, at least at least for me, at age 16, I was doing an intensive yoga practice at the time. I actually didn't know what was happening to me because what I'd been told about Kundalini and what I was experiencing were not the same. And so I just thought, well, maybe I'm going crazy for something. Like at the time I started hearing voices, which of course, I mean, when you're tuned into other rooms, you will hear voices, you will hear sound, you will hear all kinds of things. But, you know, if you look at it from a mental health perspective, people would say that there's something wrong with you. And then also, oh gosh, I... Yeah, I had these experiences like after doing the yoga and the chanting practices, I would lay on the floor in crossbows and I would find myself, well, my body would become paralyzed. i become unable to speak. And then suddenly I would find myself like falling into this dark space that I, at the time actually called the void and... Since then, I've heard other people talk about things related to the void, especially when it comes to like near-death experiences, but I didn't really know much about that at that time in my life. I just knew that I was in this dark place, rolling in it, so actually very peaceful and very gentle. But some of the experiences that I had were more along the lines of, of terrifying, <laughs> like I, I tuned into the what I called entities or astral beings that lived in this old mansion that the ashram was housed in. And they would shout at me. They would pin me to the floor. I mean, it was really, really, really scary. And I wasn't very good at the time about talking about things that were going on with me. I'd been raised in an environment where we really didn't talk about much or anything. And there were some pretty scary things that had happened in my childhood and, and they just weren't. Dealt with or spoken about, so I didn't really know how to do that. I didn't know how to communicate, and in my mind at the time, it was like, "Oh, well, maybe if I move out and I stop doing the yoga, I'll feel better." <laughs> and so that's what I did. Ultimately, I just stayed there for nine months, my last year of high school. So um, that
1: was that was a religious community. Or I'm trying to remember from our last conversation, that was a place you found yourself in.
0: Yeah, well, I had started. Taking kundalini yoga classes in Berkeley, where actually I still live in Berkeley. And at the time I was also trying to figure a way out of my family situation, which we were all crammed in this tiny apartment with my mother and two brothers and a bunch of cats. And anyway, somebody suggested that, well, maybe you'd like to live into the ashram. And my mother was willing to give me, I think it was like $125 a month at the time in 1971. And I used that money to live into the ashram. Mm. Uh, and was engaged in a really intense practice. It was like three hours a day. But you know, ultimately it wasn't right away, but I I discovered that it was basically a cult and that Yogi Bhajan behind closed doors was amusing a lot of people, doing a lot of damage. And so oh, and the, the other thing about the yoga is that I don't really know that much about it, but there's this theory that he just kind of made it up, that it wasn't really traditional or whatever, and that a lot of the practices really led to people becoming very ungrounded.
1: Yeah, that's what it sounds like.
0: Yeah. So it was certainly the case for me. And I think since I was so young, I was just you know, wide, wide, wide open, and I didn't really know how to, to turn it off it was just like yeah. on, on
1: so what yeah. happened when you left there
0: well let's see what happened when I, left? I started in high school a year early I was also very anxious to get out of high school I went to Berkeley High and so I took extra credits and I, I graduated and I w- went up like on this sort of adventure on the road for, for a while, hitchhiking when I was you know, 16 years old, which is kind of the when I think about it. And then at age 17, I ended up going to college and studying art. And then that actually led to living in a community where somebody told me of an art school in Mexico, which I ended up attending. That was in nineteen seventy So...
1: Had you always been interested in art or was that something that came later? Or yeah, it, it,
0: it was something I was always interested in. Like I have a, a picture of myself in nursery school at their easel. That <laughs> <laughs> was just my thing. I loved I love creativity. I love doing all kinds of creative projects.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I was kind of a shy, introverted
1: little girl and I didn't,
0: I mean, I, I had friends, but I didn't have like a whole bunch of friends mm-hmm. like, of my
1: friends do yeah introverts unite you know by ourselves <laughs>
0: <laughs> like my idea of a of a great day is I love I mean I love my friends I do it's important to me but like a day in the studio where I don't have anything else to
1: mm-hmm.
0: do and of course being responsible for the household for the most part and everything it's a, a rare occurrence Right. yeah <laughs>
1: But isn't it lovely when you get those quiet times? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it really is. Absolutely. So I know the last time we talked, you talked about how in Mexico, you your health kind of fell apart. And so yeah, turn, I, that was a turning point.
0: Right. I wanted to bring back just a tiny bit of the Kundalini and then I want yeah. to all that. But basically it. what I did was kind of shut that entire experience down and I didn't ever want it to happen again. But then... About nine or 10 years ago, I went to someone for a healing session, reconnective healing session. And all of a sudden I started having these spontaneous movement and vocal experiences that I later identified as, as Kundalini Kriyas. And so Kundalini really came back into my life in a big way.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it's been like 51 years since that first experience. So it was interesting to have it like become a major, major thing.
1: Yeah. yeah so so let's let's just stick with that for a minute because now I'm really curious okay so once that came back into your life how has that obviously I think with the age we just learn to be more grounded anyway mm-hmm. but how have you managed it so that it is useful to you and not overwhelming to you and that might not be useful might a not hurt, be a <laughs> lot
0: of therapy it's and- So fortunate to have found a therapist who had a kundalini awakening himself in his 20s. And so once the kriya started, it actually was just perfect to work with him. Because when he's working with me, he can actually tell from when he's coming, Mm -hmm. even before I can, which is amazing. But I think, you know, probably more than anything, it just really allowed me to hone in on the trauma that I had experienced earlier in my life and really work through it, like really just be with the pain of what what it happened.
1: Yeah, because that stuff will stick with us if we don't work through it, if we don't process it, I call it. And it's something I see all the time with my clients is that there's something that they have sort of jammed down into their body and not dealt with and usually that's where pain or disease or something will will manifest from but until we can bring it up i call it bringing it into the light and look at it with the perspective of time and distance then you get to like see what the wisdom of it is but you can process enough to let the trauma go
0: yeah yeah and that's really honestly almost like a full-time job yeah (laughs) i'm i'm fortunate that i'm married to someone who has a good solid. <laughs> My job really honestly has this whole Kundalini process, which mm-hmm. can literally take over your life and requires a lot of work. Mm-hmm. So anyway, and yeah, going back to Mexico. So you know, basically I flew down there. I got on a bus. I, I actually needed surgery almost immediately when I got to Mexico City. So that was, that was very distressing, a very distressing experience in itself. And the the doctor like came to my hotel room and then I went to the hospital the next day. It was very traumatizing and I was long, you know, and yeah. I was, you know, 19 years old. So that happened when I first got there. And then when I moved to San Miguel de Allende, which is where sort of the art school was, I found a place living with a couple who had just had a child. And lo and behold, the husband starts, you know, coming on to me. And it's like, ah, you know, I don't want to live in this kind of situation. And so I pretty quickly, found my own place and i moved into this place alone and i was going you know going to classes and everything and at one point i had been hearing a lot of rumors about a man who was breaking into single women's homes mostly older women like women in their 60s or 70s and raping them and it was like oh my god you know i mean and then this guy shows up one day in my place pointing a gun at me and it's like it was you know was just this terrifying experience and that was you know one of the kind of things that has taken me years really to work through because it was just such a such a horrible shock to my system and it was also something where he'd like dragged me outside onto the patio and put his gun down and then i, I hear you know i hear a knock on the door after he's finished him a friend had come over so he he left climbed back over the wall, he come through And we went directly to the police station, and the police didn't take it seriously. And, you know, I basically just kind of, I don't even know. (laughs) I don't even know where I went or what I did, but I did later on, I did a major like soul retrieval about it. And this, this flock of geese showed up to gather up my lost soul parts. And so that kind of work has been a, a big part of the tune. And basically after my friend showed up and the police didn't do anything, I moved in the floor, and then I started to get really sick and I was diagnosed with hepatitis. So I had hepatitis A. I'm um, very, very ill. And then I just thought, well, I just need to go home. I need to get out of here. And that was a struggle because my paperwork wasn't up to date. So I had to like while I was sick, go to Mexico City and get all that together.
1: Okay.
0: Oh, <laughs> it was just unbelievable. And then I come back and I stayed with my father and my stepmother for a while. I went to the doctor and he said, oh, by the way, your your blood sugar is like 800. And, you, you know, you have type 1 diabetes and you just start to be useful. So, Oh, my gosh. Kind of, I, I don't know. You know, some people talk about like the shamanic initiation or whatever. Yeah. And like that it just feels like every piece of me that had had any shred of you know self-esteem or whatever was just like obliterated yeah yeah anyway it's been it's you know it's been a very
1: very long road (laughs) the fact that you can talk about it you know is means to me it feels like that means that you've worked through a lot of it because i don't think i could talk about it if i hadn't that's i mean the things women are put through is just heartbreaking
0: so it is heartbreaking when I look back on it and I actually did do an interview for a radio program with a psychologist mm-hmm. years ago Dr. Pamela Brewer and I did get to that point where the the feeling started left of tears and that mm-hmm. it's still there
1: but it does get easier yeah yeah it's yeah I, I don't think you get rid of any of those traumas completely but you can disempower them to some degree mm-hmm. working through them yeah mm. okay so let's go from there <laughs> to you went back to art school after that didn't you I did so what do. What, are, what motivated you to go back to art school at that point and what did you do okay
0: so hmm. Yeah. It, interesting. In my early 30s, I got involved with a man. His name was S- Stephen Hoffman. And he was born with cerebral palsy. And honestly, when I first met him, I thought, it's not going to work. But it it ended up that we we did end up together. And, and I ended up getting pregnant, which has never happened before in my life. And that happened three times. And then third time was the charm, as one of our friends said. And then we ended up. Getting married and having our daughter Emily, and when all this was happening, was when I got back into to mm-hmm. art. Okay. So mm-hmm. I ended up being in art school when I was
1: pregnant, and then after after she was born. <laughs> yeah. So part of your process, I know, is is to journal. Mm-hmm. And for me, I'm a writer, so when I think of journaling, I think about you know actually. Writing And I know you have some of that in your journals, but yours is really more of a visual journal, the way you've described it to me in the past. And that was not something I was really aware of Mm -hmm. before I talked to you. So talk a little bit about how you came to do a visual journal. I mean, is it something, did it just sort of arise or did somebody teach you how to do it or how did you come to that? Because it seems like such a, a no brainer for an artist to have a visual journal.
0: It does. In fact, when I was in art school, I was always encouraged to keep a journal and I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I really wasn't much of a, a drawing person. I didn't really like the journal at much. I like to work with you know, colors, patterns, textures. Like I said, all those wanted text drawers and but what happened was I somehow heard about this class at our local community college taught by a woman named Annie Danberg and at the time, she was actually also going through her licensing to become a therapist. So I ended up going back to the same campus, to the same college that I'd started at when I was, when I was 17. But here I am. I don't even know how many years ago that was. But I just found the whole process really powerful. And I'm, I'm looking at some of my pages now. I do a lot of pages that are like double. Mm-hmm. and working with collage i mean um, actually one of the things that she started us with was scribbling <laughs> and i just took that to like the nth degree <laughs> <laughs> or, scribbling all, all over the place how freeing is that yeah and then these images put on the page are actually my photographs i took them in the Paz, mexico there was a a vacant lot that had all these floats in it, mm. made out of paper mache or whatever. So there was, there was Poseidon. I don't even know what this creature is with all the different serpents. But yeah, this, the, this is the three-headed dog at the gates of hell. Okay, this. so things like that. Really working with the image of, in a way that was straying And actually, this is kind of a continuation
1: of that one. So because this isn't going to be video for everybody she's showing me a two-page spread for both of these that she showed us and they're a combination of it looks almost like a paint for a backdrop but then cutouts of her photos on it and it's just it's very interesting very there's different colors the scribbling on the last one really was it was just like spirals of scribbling it was very cool but it looked appropriate and it looked like it belonged there so it's just it's very interesting we will have this on YouTube, so eventually you can go and sure. see all of that too. So that's why I'm trying to describe it a little bit. And there you actually have the word freedom on a key. Yeah, a well, lot. that
0: image over here is actually the underworld. Okay. and Was that um, the river Styx I'm looking at? Yeah, the river Styx okay. and the underworld. And who is it? Hekater? Um, the goddess.
1: That's right.
0: Tree, tree-headed. So it's like this whole journey that I identify as the dark night of the soul is represented here. And then over here, where there's the yellow background, I have a photograph of the muses. Okay. And see the muses like that whole creative process, mm-hmm. and it's been so freeing for me. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's an that. example. And then some of the work is just very, very abstract. So I'm just working with the colors, the watercolor pencils. I use a lot of what's called bleeding tissue paper. And then I also use a printmaking process where I put the bleeding tissue paper on one page with blue and then I close the journal to create a print. Oh neat. and that's that's often why I'm I'm working with those double images, because I'm right. not creating right.
1: a print. I love the the image on the right hand side of the one you just showed us because it, it looked it reminded me of how you were describing the kundalini energy. Kind of a right and that's, that's spir- actually
0: part of what was coming up in that yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. No, it's very nice. Okay. So so from that, you do a lot of collaging kinds of work with that, right? So let's let's talk about your card deck. I okay. love, love, love card decks. I own probably a dozen at least. And I always buy them. I almost always buy them because of the art. I have a couple that I bought because the topic was just something I was really interested in. But I love the art of card decks because it's very individual to art. the person creating them. So how did you come to, first of all, how did you come to create a card deck at all? How, how were you inspired to do Hi, that? Uh-
0: That's actually a pretty big question because I haven't really over time been a card reader or somebody who collected cards. I mean, there's certainly been cards that I've used over time, but it has never been a main part of my life. And so, But what did become a main part of my life for a while, not so much now, but for a while, was this West African stick divination system. I had been referred to a man over in Marin County who had spend a lot of time in after tribe learn the stick divination technique from yeah. the garra tribe anyway so i did a divination with him once where he uses this stick and a pile of objects like to so consult with the spirits and the ancestors and basically the spirits were saying i needed to create the stick
1: mm.
0: but he gave me that assignment and at the time he gave that to me i I never thought of doing this thing, but it's interesting because compared to all the other things that I've done, it's been the work that's touched the most people mm. because it's you know it's it's accessible right. to a lot of people, and it's not just about the art; it's also about the medicine and the energy that it brings through and imparts to people who are using it. But I guess unlike a lot of other decks that i've come across in the meantime there's often a, a concept that people come up with and then they do the writing and then often they don't do the art they don't right. illustrate yeah. The, yeah hire an artist art. right so they like yeah. hire an, an artist to illustrate it whereas with mine i basically created the art and then i put the titles on and then there was a process of the background artist from the journal pages and then the animals are my photography, which I combined using Photoshop. So the background art came first, the animals or the other figures came in second, and then the titles and the numbers, and then the writing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, that sounds about right. I would start with the words, because that's where my creative flow goes, but you start right. with the images. And and since you're the artist, you get to do the whole thing. It's yeah. just kind of cool. <laughs> so
0: it is cool, and yeah, yeah, the writing was actually kind of scary for me because like oh, I'm
1: not a writer. Yeah,
0: did yeah. another like just kind of basic framework for the messages. And a friend who is a writer actually thought it was very good. So
1: yeah, yeah. It was kind of well, because you were probably being you know spirit led through all of that too.
0: Yeah, I, lately there've been some like amazing stories about the cards that yeah. You yeah, one who drew one on my site and sent me a message like, "Will you please send me a message for this card?" And it's a card called Guides, and it has two guides on it, and then it has the Betterfly. And I sent her the message, and it—you know—it turns out that that's like her name, like her spirit name is Betterfly, and it just really resonated for her. And that's out of fifty-four cards, she got that card, and then the message that I sent her enhanced the experience. Right, And then the most recent one was someone on Instagram who got my deck. And then she went to the mailbox to get it. And I, I posted this on my Instagram so you can actually read it. But she said how when she went to the mailbox, there were all these grasshoppers. And she doesn't does ever see grasshoppers. But here were all these grasshoppers at the mailbox. And the, they didn't skid her away or anything. <laughs> and then she went in the house to look at the deck. And she drew the card. She <laughs> said, unfortunately that has grass <laughs> and her massive background it's like okay so these cards really have some sort of yeah energy or magic to them that i don't i can't even explain i don't right. really
1: understand but the fact for me the the fact that you were led to them by this diviner and then it, it all just kind of came together with art you had already created really it's just taking each layer of your work and putting it together in a way And then your energy is so beautiful that it's just, I mean, yeah, it's it's gotta be a magical deck. So yeah. So what's the name of the deck? They're called
0: Sacred Journey Medicine Cards. And there's also a little story about their bee that's on the booklet in the back of the cards. And that is that one day I was walking my dog and I was trying to figure out if I needed to put a bee on the back of the card. And I looked down and there was a bee. In fact, you need to
1: put me on the best like part. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. So you clearly have an affinity for the natural world. I mean, it just it, it feels like I've seen I've only seen a little bit of your art on your website, but it just feels very organic and very almost like I've seen indigenous art Mm-hmm. You know, so it's very symbolic and very earthy and very pattern and color, like you're talking about. So it's very interpretable. It's not. It's not
0: like illustration. It's right. not right really representational, right? That, that much, except the photography and and there's other beings that are brought in as well, like some kind mythological
1: mm-hmm.
0: world and a couple of humans and men, also some plants. But I would say that animal world is the most.
1: Mm-hmm. your photography goes i mean that's where yeah yeah. right i'm always fascinated about how creative projects come together Mm -hmm. i know my process but everybody's got their own process for pulling together whatever their creative work is and whether it's you know making dinner or creating a card deck or whatever else and i love how you have you you brought every piece of your work into it because you've got the backgrounds you've used the journaling art you've done you've used the collaging you've used the natural world that you work in and you live in and so i just i always find that really i think it's really good for people to see how different people create different things because there's no one right way to be creatives absolutely not yeah. No,
0: yeah. I, i've been in an ongoing like nine month cycle three three times in a row called soul circles where we spend an hour out of i time doing art and then sharing doing meditation and everybody's expression is just different.
1: Yeah. And that's that is something that's been coming through for me lately is that creativity is part of the the divine feminine energy. And I mean, women are, we are the ultimate creators of human life. <laughs> you know? So it makes sense that it's part of the divine feminine, but it's bringing that into the world in your way, in your expression of it and not getting hung up on the right way to do it or the marketable way to do it or the. Are people going to think I'm, you know, no good or just do it, just do it, just get out there and make something. And look what's come from your years of different, different ways of expressing your art. I just, I love it. All right. I want to say right here, because we're talking about your car, that you've done something new since the first conversation that I forgot to record. And that is you've taken some of your fabric art and you have created with a company fashion, clothing.
0: Yeah, actually, well, I'm wearing a piece that I made a long time ago. This is one of my screen prints that I did. And mm-hmm. I thought the best out of it. Actually, with the new line, it's not my textile work, it's my painting. And so, what I did, there's a, a couple in the back behind me in the background of these 36 by 36 mixed media paintings that I actually incorporated some of my textile work into. So, it, it is part. textile and part. But what I did was I uploaded the images on the site and they actually put them on these different styles of clothing.
1: Yeah. You sent me the link and I went and looked at it and it's beautiful. I mean, it is, it is wearable art. (laughs) Right. Right. And I mean,
0: I created wearable art earlier in my life when I was doing the screen printing and the fabric painting All those things. And I have definitely over time moved more into using my work on different products that other people produce. I mean, with the exception, like, of the painting work thing I've been doing recently. And I like that because the kind of labor that's involved in, in doing that kind of printing is significant. It really is. And in some ways, there's no way that you could ever be repaid for it. Right. So using an image and then putting it on something that you can make more than one room. is a really brilliant idea.
1: Yeah. And it's allows for, brings your art to a different price point too, so that it's it's more accessible for more people, which I love. You know, I remember in college having fine art posters, couldn't mm-hmm. afford art I <laughs> get a picture of Van Gogh's starry night, <laughs> that kind of thing. So yeah, I was just, I was really impressed That's with how beautiful cool. the pieces were that you've, you've got up there now so i'm looking forward to seeing what else you do with that and we'll have a link to, to her website and that website and the cards and all of that will be in the show notes so you'll be able to find mel and her beautiful work very easily we haven't even really talked about your photography other than as collage parts but you do beautiful wildlife photography and birds are one of my things and so i've really i really enjoyed i on your website you've got some of hummingbirds and and you've got a burrowing owl and i was like oh I need that <laughs> <laughs> I have owls in my office.
0: that's a okay. well, the thing thing now about this new site that I have is that you can mm-hmm. purchase those items as prints, so yeah. you can have a choice you can have a print on wrapped canvas, you can have one on metal, you can have one on paper, yeah, or buy a mug or you can buy a tote bag or you can whatever, so it's not just limited to originals, and yeah. then course. The photography, I mean, photography isn't really an original unless you just play one and that's it.
1: Right. Yeah. That's, they're easy to duplicate. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, I just wanted to bring that up too, because I really, I, I'm at my happiest in nature mm-hmm. and I'm a birder. I had both a father and a mother-in-law who were big birders. So I've I've always been very tuned into the birds around me. And so whenever you get those beautiful pictures of things like a hummingbird, which are not that easy to photograph, I really respect the work that goes into that and the patience.
0: It is a lot of patience and it's a lot of trial and error, really, honestly. And we've been really fortunate to have, over the 18 years that we've lived in this house, to have four four nets in the back. And the last one was just... Incredible. I mean, it was just like it was below my, you know, it was like a chest level. So I could just like right into the nest. When I first found it, I just thought, oh my God. (laughs) Incredible. Because I had been watching the mother flying around and I thought, well, she's to have a nest somewhere. Right. And I kept looking up and then I looked down and it was like, oh my God, it's right there, (laughs) right in front of you.
1: Yeah, well, there's a lesson in, in you know don't just always look in one direction, <laughs> right? Might not be where you expect it to be. No, okay. I thank you for sharing your journey with us and your and your process and your art because it's really it, it makes my day to see beautiful things and and you create a lot of beautiful things. So let's let's turn to the rapid fire questions. Okay, <laughs> they're just for fun, right? And I'm going to ask you and and I know that I asked you these in the conversation. I forgot to record. Doesn't have to be the same answer. Okay. Yeah, because I'll probably have a different answer. Yeah, <laughs> That's the idea. So who is or was the wisest person in your life?
0: Yeah, so this is actually one I thought about in the meantime. And really, honestly, I would have to say it's kind of a tie, but it's definitely between my daughter and my wife. They're both thick and crumpy wives. And the the joy that I find my daughter bringing to other people, I mean, they have inside it to me about you know just what an incredible person she is that that just I don't know I she's a a very emotionally wise person and then my wife is very wise about things that I'm not (laughs) that's always good in a spouse
1: yeah (laughs) like she knows how to say and plan Uh uh-huh I have a husband who's good at that because I'm not (laughs) it's great (laughs) yeah yep Okay, so what's your favorite self care practice? That is actually
0: energy healing, which is exactly the same answer I gave last time. I just I don't know what it is, but it just bringing in. Well, I guess it's partly because it's so relaxing and calming for the body Mm -hmm. that it just allows an openness to bring in whatever needs to needs to arrive. It's very powerful.
1: Yeah. That's, I love, I love receiving. I get, you know, I mostly, I, I get to give people those energy healing sessions, but I still see healers because it is, it is a different kind of quiet. I want to call it in the body. Right. And actually
0: as, as a energy healing practitioner, I, it's not like I have, you know, full practice doing that or anything. Cause otherwise we wouldn't have any time to do art, but yeah. I love doing it just because it's so, it's so uplifting and. For some reason, I'm able to make contact like with spirit guides or mm-hmm. energies that are important for the person to be able to work with.
1: Yeah, that's I, I get a lot of messages from their guides and. Right. Yeah. Higher selves and stuff. Okay. What lights you up when you're feeling? That's a good question. I definitely
0: more and more as I get older, it's my friendship. It's the relationships that I have with mm-hmm. other connections that I have yeah they're really exciting and uh and of course the creative expression and being able to share that with other people actually
1: yeah just thought of something that I usually talk about when I'm talking about creativity I'm going to just drop it in here do you experience a flow state when you're working with say a painting or any of your projects absolutely
0: yeah it's kind of like working with clients there's a sort of high almost Mm but Like a to
1: yeah. Okay. Does it is it something you have to consciously cultivate, or do you just kind of arrive at it?
0: It's just arriving. I I know there's so many people who talk about mindset and positive thinking, and you know all that kind of thing. I don't. That's never really worked that well for me. (laughs) Sure. Because I don't know why. It's more about state states of confidence, or I I, I almost say get blank. You know, a blank canvas or empty one. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Okay, yeah, I love when I do get into flow state. It's just a beautiful, peaceful, creative place to be. All right, and then, do you have a favorite mantra or affirmation?
0: Yeah, the word mantra is still streaming mm-hmm. but all these years, that's true. why I do both because <laughs> yeah. they are different. <laughs> they are very different. It's like mantra. don't go there i was so steeped in mantra anyway so really it's all about self-love it's all about self-accepting really more than anything and for me looking back on some of the experiences that i've had in my life there's a certain amount of shame that's been attached to it and it's just realizing somehow i survived all stayed.
1: yeah and and do you find that looking back that you are stronger because of what you survived? I'm
0: sure I am, but if yeah. yeah. Pretty asked me to journey again, I would say. Okay. Oh yeah.
1: <laughs> I have, I have things where I go, I don't know why I chose to have that as a you know, part of my life experience. I don't want to do that again. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I learned a lot. Don't want to do that again, but I, yeah, I find that I like who I am today and I am who I am because of some of those difficult things in my life. But and I, I think that perspective is something that's come just in the last few years for me. I mean, I'm 62. So there's there's definitely a, a postmenopausal wisdom that happens. I think that's a, I, I just I'm fascinated by that, too. I'm, I get curious about lots of things. All right. So tell the listeners, viewers where they can find you online. OK,
0: so my main website is my name. Mel Hoffman. And the only thing you have to remember about Housman is that it's spelled with one L. It's H-O-L-M-A-N-N. And of course, the majority of people named Hoffman don't spell that way. Yeah. And Lauren will have a, a link. Yeah, I will. That'll be easier to find. And I'm currently working on extending the fine art aspect to a certain extent. So there's going to be some new
1: things coming soon. And if they go to your website and sign up for your newsletter, they can get a, what, a 20% discount for a print? Right. Yes. 20%
0: discount on print. That does not apply to the cards
1: just because it's impractical. I I think that brings us to me saying thank you for being here. And I appreciate you coming back to have this conversation again. (laughs) It's a little different. (laughs)
0: Just, just wonderful i love the way that you're able to really bring out these questions that inspire me to think in a different way good
1: yeah, yeah that's i think that's where curiosity takes you is into a place where you can think in a different way or see from a different perspective and that's right. one of my goals these days in life is to to expand my horizons and so thank you for for validating that for me sure.
0: and i actually did want to add one thing and yeah. that is do go to my website there is a teacher where you could do a screenshot reading, and if okay. you send me a message i will give you more information about the card
1: great okay so it's like you can get a one card reading and and all of that's on her website so you have the links below in the show notes well thank you so much for being here with us today i hope everyone has really enjoyed this conversation and And maybe he's inspired to be creative in whatever way wants to come through you. And thank you so much for being here, Mel. Thank you, Lauren. See you next time, we're here every Tuesday. Come back next week for another great conversation. Stay curious. Thank you so much for joining us today on Curiously Wise. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe so you don't miss future fabulous conversations. And if you had any ahas, please share them in a review on Apple Podcasts, so we can continue to pay forward the unique wisdom we all have. If you want to know more about me or my intuitive energy healing practice, Heartlight Wellness, please head over to my website, www.heartlightjoy.com. Curiously Wise is a team effort. I am grateful for the skill and enthusiasm Arlene Membrot, our producer, and Sam Wittig, our audio engineer, bring to this collaboration. Our music is Where the Light Is by Lemon Music Studio. I'm Lauren Wittig. Please join me again next week for another episode of Curiously Wise. From my heart to yours, may your life be filled with love, light, joy, and of course, curiosity.